News, weather, traffic, money, politics, big interviews, and bold opinions. It's what's happening right now. This is Mornings with Simi. A change in guidance from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control is prompting a lot of discussion south of the border this morning. So the CDC said Americans, including those who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19, should go back to wearing masks in indoor public places, especially in areas where the virus is spreading. And they went a step further, too, recommending that all students and teachers in kindergarten through to grade 12 also wear masks, regardless of vaccination status. So what is going on? Why is this happening right now? Well, the U.S. leads the world in the daily average number of new infections, accounting for one in every nine cases that are reported around the world every day. To talk more about this, we're joined now by Reggie Cicchini, our Global Washington correspondent. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. Okay, that is quite a change then. So what is the COVID situation right now in the U.S.? So look, the COVID situation uh, is growing. It's spreading like wildfire uh, around the country. Delta makes up for 83% of all new cases. And there are a couple of variables that the CDC looked at when they put this mask a mandate or rather recommendation in place. Uh, number one being the fact that Delta is spreading around, namely amongst the unvaccinated, but also there's new science that shows that if you are vaccinated and you wind up with a breakthrough infection, you can actually carry as much of the virus in your system as an unvaccinated person. And while they say that the cases are rare, it is enough that it could potentially continue the spread of the virus, AKA you need to wear a mask if you're vaccinated in the high-risk areas. Right. So, Reggie, even though the CDC said that, though, does that mean that some of these high-risk areas are going to comply? No, absolutely not. And that is because there are so many states that have put a ban on mask mandates in place. Something like Florida, which is leading the drive of cases in the United States, accounting for one in every four or five new cases. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has made it illegal for local counties to put uh, any kind of mask mandate in place. Uh, and therefore, it is potentially going to cause for uh, the spread to grow. Look, Florida right now is dealing uh, with some of its highest hospitalization rates since the pandemic began. But it is impossible for them to put a mitigation effort in place because of state laws. So it's a recommendation from the CDC. It's not a mandate. So does, that doesn't mean that doesn't sound very hopeful then that cases are getting under control in some of these places. Like what about those vaccination rates? Well, look, vaccination rates uh, are struggling. Uh, the U.S. has kind of hit a wall. There's still 30 percent of the country that uh, is refusing to take a shot. Uh, and we heard from Dr. Anthony Fauci, there are 100 million eligible Americans that are still unprotected. That is why the virus, uh, according to the CDC, uh, is spreading so rapidly uh, around the country. It was just a couple of weeks ago that President Biden had made that July 4th goal to have 70 percent of all people over the age of 18 vaccinated. As of today, it still stands at 69.1, and it's taken several days to move up that tenth of a percent. There's going to be new incentives that are coming from uh, announced by the White House in the coming days to try and get more people vaccinated because they understand this is now a growing problem. Right. And President Biden said that yesterday, right? Like they're going to potentially make some rules for federal employees that would affect a lot of people. It would. And look, it follows the rules that are in place across parts of New York State uh, and across California, where uh, where vaccine mandates have been put in place. The Department of Veterans Affairs earlier this week in Washington said that they were going to mandate vaccines. Now the president is expected on Thursday to announce that all federal employees in the U.S. 
are going to have to be vaccinated except for members of the military. That will be left up to the Department of State. But this is going to be one of those moments where if you are not vaccinated and you're a federal employee, you'll have to be subjected to daily and potentially more than that uh, testing along with wearing a mask. Worth pointing out, too, in D.C., our numbers are going back up. So the White House is back under a mask mandate for any reporter or any staff member that goes inside. It kind of feels like they, the genie's already out of the bottle on that one, though, doesn't it, Reggie? Because I feel like the U.S. did a lot of celebrating already that this thing was over. I mean, look, it was supposed to be a declaration of independence from this vaccine. And just two months ago, when the CDC rescinded that mask mandate for vaccinated people, the president at the time called this a great day for America. Well, here we are two months later. That day is essentially winding down. The sun is setting uh, with so many Americans now needing to be put back under a mask mandate. What's interesting about this is the CDC put this recommendation in place, but it really is the onus of the individual American to figure out whether or not they're in a county that's considered high or substantial for community transmission. That is why there is some fear that while the recommendation is in place, it might not actually achieve all that much. Sounds like it. All right, Reggie, thank you. Thank you. Reggie Cicchini, our Global News Washington correspondent, talking about what's going on in the United States. Big change in guidance from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Essentially, they said that Americans, including those who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19, should go back to wearing masks in indoor public places, especially in areas where the virus is spreading. Can you see that happening? Because I can't see that happening because it seems to me that, you know, many people in the United States, they threw those things away and said, this thing is over. And now you've got a fourth wave spreading there and lots of concern, especially among the unvaccinated. Uh, That's the big problem down there where vaccination rates really stalled. They want kids back in school in September, right? Physically back in school. A lot of jurisdictions did not, even though BC did that last year. And they are saying, the CDC is, that all students and teachers in K through 12 should also wear masks regardless of vaccination status when they are back in school in September. Feels like a very different situation, doesn't it? Hopefully we don't see something like that happen here. This is Mornings with Simi. Now, it's not the total heat dome, but it is hotter this week. And Environment Canada says it's going to get even hotter tomorrow through Saturday. Environment Canada has issued a special weather statement for parts of the province saying the southern interior could hit the mid to high 30s and the highest temperatures are expected in some of the hardest hit wildfire areas, such as the Fraser Canyon, Thompson Okanagan and the southern Kootenays. This time around, though, a lot of attention is being paid to this heat warning, as well we should, right? Given that the BC Coroner Service is still investigating the hundreds of heat-related deaths from the end of June. So what are we doing differently to prepare this time? Well, joining us now is Troy Clifford, Ambulance Paramedics Union President and an active paramedic. Troy, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on this morning, Simi. Well, we want to make sure people are prepared. So, Troy, what is being done this time? Is it being treated differently, do you think, like from your higher-ups? Um, I think overall, yes. I mean, uh, I think that uh, my hope is that uh, the organizations learned uh, from the experiences we had from a preparedness and emergency operation perspective. We've been meeting with them as a union and profession for the last couple of weeks, or well, really since the last heat over these preparedness issues. They've uh, put in place from what I can understand the best are emergency operations centers that uh, have been working since the, uh, since the previous heat 
heat dome and crisis that we faced, as you mentioned just now. But I think that uh, it's also been uh, working closely and, and monitoring our ability to respond to the fires and upstaff our, our communities in the area that you've identified, particularly in the Thompson region, you know, the, the Okanagan and the Kootenays and, the, you know, the high fire, fire areas that we're experiencing. So my understanding is that they're doing this. We've been doing all we can as a profession and working with them. Uh, the BCAHS to make sure that they're prepared. Um, I would like to see a little more of uh, announcements and sort of some public service uh, preparedness stuff so that we are, uh, so that people know what the best practices are, checking in on our loved ones and the more vulnerable patients that uh, we know that when uh, we see these situations that uh, they may not be able to look after themselves. So I think we need to be looking at ways uh, that we've, you know, the the experts have been recognized us, right? Yeah. So after that last one, then, Troy, a little over a month ago, did you get the yeah. sense and from, you know, management and health authorities that, oh, okay, yeah, no, we need to have better practices in place? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, you know, I, I think the, the proof is in the actions, but uh, I definitely have a sense that they, they understand the uh, priorities around emergency preparedness and, you know, our, our responsibility to the public and, and that, um, you know, obviously Minister Dix uh, did some significant announcements two weeks ago and we're still trying to see the fruition of those announcements. Uh, you know, it hasn't come fast enough for the paramedics and dispatchers and our patients because we're still seeing a lot of the challenges that led up to that announcement. But uh, I'm doing everything in my power on behalf of the paramedics and our patients to get those uh, announcements implemented uh, sooner rather than later. So what about the wildfire situation? You mentioned that, but that must be a concern as well for paramedics. Yeah, and particularly since when you get warnings around uh, wildfires, that uh, you need to move patients that are, you know, maybe in care homes or in hospitals that, uh, you know, when you're in a warning state that you need to consider the mitigation of getting those out because uh, when you're in an evacuation order, that's, uh, that's, that's, you know, you're in a crisis and, and that's not the best time to be moving patients. Uh, you want to move them in, in preparedness. So I think we've seen that up in the 100-mile area and we've seen it over the years in fires. Uh, and that's really where paramedics come into play is moving the patients that uh, are shut-ins or in the communities that won't be able to move themselves or that need medical care to get out. And, and that's really something that a key component of planning and emergency preparedness as well as the interface side of things. Right. You know, we tragic uh, situation in Lytton and we know that these type of things can interface with, with, uh, with municipalities and communities and homes and, and, uh, and society, and, and we need to make sure that we can uh, be there to support that, as well as the firefighters. And, uh, um, and then we talk about, the, you know, you throw on top of that the air quality where we see um, vulnerable patients when, and people with respiratory right. Right. So, Troy, when you hear, though, that there is this special weather statement from Environment Canada that we've got, you know, the heat ramping up, does that make you feel a bit apprehensive? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, we, I think the, the experiences we had uh, a month ago, as you mentioned, and we've been experiencing for quite some time, it, it worries me that I don't want to see what we went through last time. So I think everybody needs to really do everything in their power to make sure we've done all we can to prepare people and mitigate any uh, any potential, uh, you know, I don't want to see any more loss of life. I, I don't want to see any more impacts on patients and, and the paramedics and dispatchers. So, yeah, it does make me apprehensive, and I, I'm, uh, I'm really just hoping everybody prepares better and maybe make sure that they look after themselves and just like being prepared for fires, you know. You have right. to have your go kits ready and that sort of stuff. How can we help then? So if there's going to be like some higher temperatures this week, what can we do to help make your job easier? 
Well, absolutely. So now really is the time to be thinking about your neighbor, your your relatives. If your if your relatives are somebody more vulnerable, maybe you need to bring them to a place at a, your home for the weekend that uh, you can uh, look after them. That you may have better conditions or air conditioning. A lot of our our more uh, uh, vulnerable patients and and society doesn't have the means to have air conditioning or fans or or whatnot so we need to check in on them make sure they have the medications and make sure they have the support the food and water the basic necessities if you wish um and and look after them and then when they you know and then same through as we work through the heat um, and practice all the, the you know the recommended of the, the health office and the and 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 the guidelines that are out there but really i think looking after each other making sure we're prepared uh as best we can and if somebody does need help, we need to we need to all buckle down and do that because it becomes an emergency situation, you know, or yeah. ma- emergency management, and that's really what we all can do. And I think raising the awareness and just being, we now have the experience of it that we didn't have before, so we we have no excuse to be as prepared as we can right now. And I mean that not just paramedics and the ambulance service. I mean that as a society, right? Exactly. Well, we'll see. We'll put that message out there, Troy. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. This is Mornings with Simi. Positive COVID-19 tests. Now, these closures come as the confirmed number of cases climb in our province, but the Interior Health Region in particular has far and away the most daily new cases. For example, yesterday, the numbers that we had there showed that Interior Health had 95 cases in a 24-hour period. Fraser Health, 32. Vancouver Coastal, 17. So you can see what the difference is and think about the difference in population there too. So what is going on for businesses in Kelowna then? How are they dealing with this? Mark Burley joins us now, the Executive Director of the Downtown Kelowna Association. Mark, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Simi. This must be a very difficult time for businesses. How are they dealing with this? Well, I think the last uh, 16 to 18 months have been tough for businesses and uh, with the uh, uh, announcement that staff members are have testing positive with COVID. I think first thing we have to recognize uh, that it's the businesses who've chosen to cl- uh, close for a short period of time as opposed to being closed. Uh, but again, you know that's revenue that won't be made, and uh, you know just adds another challenge to a very challenging two years of business. I can imagine. Yeah. So, what have you been seeing then, Mark? Like, it must be super busy. In Kelowna right now, did people just get a little too happy with the lack of, you know, regulations? You know what, that's probably that, you know, anecdotally, that would probably be a great observation. I mean, the city is very busy. Uh, Summer is normally busy in Kelowna. It just seems to be that much more busy this year with the, you know, lifting of restrictions. Uh, it's just, uh, we have a lot going on downtown, a lot of people downtown. As a matter of fact, we have a lot of people on the beaches and all over the city right now. It is, um, you know, it's tourist time and that's what Cologne is about in the summer. So how are businesses going to deal with this? Like I know there's been a, there's going to be a big vaccination push for interior health. Has, is will the business community join in on this? Oh, for sure. Uh, I've already had a couple of businesses, in downtown reach out to me yesterday and wondered if we're taking part uh, in this push for the mini vaccination uh, places, you know, throughout the city. Uh, And it's funny because I got that email just after I'd finished uh, emailing Interior Health myself and uh, be meeting with them today to see what we can put together in having these mini vaccination centers in downtown. 
Do you think that for some employers then, Mark, this has prompted a bit of a change because perhaps they didn't worry as much about the vaccination of their staff until now? It could. You know, I think that's really a personal thing for everybody when it comes to whether to get vaccinated or not. But when it comes to businesses, whether to insist if your employees have it or not, I think we have to remember that the restaurant industry is primarily uh, employs very young people, you know, late teens, early 20s. And that seems to be the group that really hasn't joined in the vaccinations uh, to this point. What do you think would work then to get that message across? I, you know, it's like anything, it's the repetition, you know, if you want to reach everybody, you need more frequency of the message. And I think that uh, if the government's out there pushing this message and, uh, you know, media is covering how important it is, that's probably what's going to get uh, these kids out to get vaccinated. Plus, make it a bit more convenient because, you know, not everyone in their early 20s who's going to school has a car or transportation to get to the other side of the city to get a vaccination. Right. I guess also seeing that businesses are closing is probably a bit of a wake up call, too, isn't it? Well, I would think, you know, if you're a person who doesn't have COVID and your restaurant's closed for five days, that means your income's gone for five days. Uh, I think that would probably send a pretty good message. Sometimes sitting in the pocketbook is what works best. So then how do you think the next week or so is going to go? Like, you got to get that message through to people out there. Do you see a lot of masks being worn out there? You know what? No, I didn't see any more masks yesterday, but then again, uh, like, for example, my summer employees who are on the street uh, working for the Meet Me on Bernard initiative uh, spent a lot of time inside yesterday. It's very smoky here. So it's almost so, like, you know, for the smoke, you could be wearing the mask, too. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Yeah, uh, that uh, my employees are wearing masks when they're outside because of the smoke and how much of it we have here. Uh, so far this morning, not as bad as yesterday, but it's still really smoky. Does this also show you, though, Mark, there's a lot of resiliency, right, in the system there, because clearly people want to come out, they want to go get these businesses going again, but we still have to be careful. Yeah, and you know, I think it's just human nature after you're being told that you can't do something for so long that really technically there's nothing illegal about it. Then when they say, okay, go ahead, go out, there's that, you know, exponential reaction to it. So instead of going out, once a week, you may be out four or five times a week, you know, and then the weather at this time of the year is, is stellar, although it's been super hot, but, you know, people are outside, they're moving around. And I don't know about you, but I remember when I was in my 20s, I was indestructible. So I think a lot of that goes along with it, right? <laughs> so true, right? So what would your <laughs> message then, Mark, be to people, especially those who might be wanting to come and visit? Well, you know, it's still a safe place to be. It always has been. Uh, I think that I think it speaks volumes how great of a business community we have in Kelowna when these people who own the restaurants are voluntarily closing when they get uh, one or two members of their staff uh, testing positive with COVID. I mean, this is a blip on the radar, I believe. I don't see any more closures happening today. I haven't read of any this morning since I got up. So I think, uh, you know, I think that the community itself is pretty resilient. It's very busy and it's very safe to visit. All right. Uh, but also you need to get those vaccination rates up, right? So I imagine that you'll be getting involved in that campaign. Yes, I will. All right, Mark. Thank you.
Thank you very much. That's Mark Burley, Executive Director of the Downtown Kelowna Association. There are quite a few businesses, restaurants, pubs, uh, a couple of resorts actually that have voluntarily temporarily closed for a few days because they've got staff members who have contracted uh, COVID-19. Take a look at those numbers from Interior Health. It is a bit of a problem right now, which was why health authorities, health officials, I should say yesterday, focused their vaccination drive on Interior Health in particular. They're trying to make it as easy as possible for people to get the shot. Because you know what? Businesses need certainty to stay open and for certainty, they need to make sure that they're not going to have to deal with, you know, COVID-19 cases. But as Mark made a good point there, though, these businesses are doing this on their own. They're not being told to close by Interior Health or anybody like that. They're doing it voluntarily because they see the number of COVID-19 cases and think, you know what, I got to get a handle on this before it gets out of control.